For five generations, the Bigham family, who lived near the Great P.D. River in Florence County, South Carolina, were known as a powerful and cruel family who took whatever they wanted. Their name is associated with countless assaults and murders of people we may never be able to name. But they became victims of their own greed and desired to control one another when one of their own murdered five family members in 1921. Welcome to Southern Mysteries, exploring history and mysteries of the American South. I'm your host, Shannon Ballard, and this is the story of the Bigham family murders. In March of 1960, Edmund Bingham, the oldest convict in South Carolina's prison at Columbia, was freed on parole after murder indictments against him were dismissed. The news came 33 years after Bingham had been imprisoned for the murder of five family members. His death, two years after his release, marked the end of the Bingham clan, who left a legacy of murder and violence in their community of Pamplico in Marion County, which makes up modern-day Florence County, South Carolina. The Biggums were a prominent wealthy family with deep roots in the area of the Great P.D. River, roots that date back to the Revolution. The Bigham legacy of violence includes countless assaults and murders stacked up and associated with their name. The family's wealth and status protected them from consequences and convictions time and time again. The Bigham patriarch, Leonard Smiley Bigham Sr., had settled the family on the west side of the Petey River in the early 19th century. He proved to be a successful farmer whose plantation along Old River Road thrived. Leonard Smiley Bigham Sr. was a cruel man who shot his slaves when he was in fits of rage and taught his son, Smiley Jr., to follow in his footsteps. Never let anyone get the upper hand or think they were equal. Smiley Sr. was accused of murdering his own nephew, who was rumored to have been inheriting money from the family line that Smiley Sr. thought he was entitled to. He would also be accused of murdering at least four others in his lifetime including the murder of a slave that had been witnessed by a neighbor. He was fined $10 for that tragedy and never sent to prison. Bigham died in January 1879 under suspicious circumstances. There had allegedly been an incident with some lumber, which caused his death, but the undertaker noted his death resembled cyanide poisoning. It seems his lessons of how to treat people were taken seriously by his son, Smiley Jr., who was suspected of murdering his father by poisoning him with cyanide in a glass of milk. Following his father's death, Leonard Smiley Bigham Jr. took over the plantation near Pamplico. When you come from a family that's accustomed to wealth and success, helping protect you from consequences of your actions, your natural next step would seem to be pursuing political office, 37-year-old Leonard Smiley Bigham Jr. became the first state senator from Florence County in 1887. 
Bigham and his wife Dora would have five children, Marjorie Ann, Letha, Cleveland, Edmund, and Leonard Smiley III. Dora Bigham was 16 years old when she married Smiley Jr. and settled into life with him in Pamplico. She was a shy sort of girl who, with each passing year, grew more and more like her husband, bitter, angry, violent, and cruel. Smiley Jr.'s neighbors described him as a selfish, money-obsessed man who was known to never let anything stand in the way of what he wanted, especially not his family. When his mother died, her will divided the Bigham property equally between Smiley Jr. and his sister Mary. Jr. fought the will, with the case going as far as the South Carolina Supreme Court, where the will was ruled valid. Soon after, Smiley Jr. presented a new will to the lower court, claiming it was more recent and showed his mother intended him to be the sole heir of the Bigham estate. The will was a forgery, but Smiley Jr. used his political connections to convince authorities to uphold it. He then silenced his sister Mary by disowning her and throwing her off the family plantation. Mary Bigham was left to work odd jobs, working in a mill for a while. She died, disowned, and in extreme poverty. Leonard Smiley Bigham Jr. died on January 4, 1906. It's believed his death was the work of his wife, Dora, who murdered him in a manner that seems only fitting for the story of the Bigham family. Dora was said to have poisoned her husband in the same manner he murdered his own father by putting cyanide in his milk. The violence in the Bigham family continued in 1908 when Leonard Smiley Bigham III was accused of the violent murder of a young black farmhand. Now, Smiley III had accused 16-year-old Arthur Davis of making a mistake which led to the injury of a mule. Arthur's mother witnessed a group of men drag her son from their home in the middle of the night. She couldn't see Smiley's face, but she recognized his voice when he was yelling at her son. The group of men dragged Arthur into the woods, beat him, and then killed him by driving a nail into his head. Smiley and two other men were arrested and released on bond while they awaited trial which was set for late 1909. The Bigham family stuck together, backed Smiley's alibi. He claimed he was at home the night of the attack, spent the night with the family, and never left the house, which was an outright lie because the family had not seen Smiley the night Arthur Davis was so viciously murdered. Every member of the Bigham clan agreed to back Smiley's story, save one. Ruth Bigham, the wife of Smiley's brother Cleveland, said she would have to tell the truth if she was called to testify during the trial. We'll never know what Ruth would have said on the stand because on September 9, 1909, 23-year-old Ruth Bigham was murdered. Newspaper accounts wrote of concerns there would be no justice for the young woman because initial reports said there had been no witnesses. Cleveland and Ruth had been staying with their friends, Mr. and Mrs. William Avant, at a coastal home on Murals Inlet, 
On the night Ruth died, she did what she had done every night of their stay, took a peaceful walk along the beach. As she awaited the sunset view, she was shot and killed. Two men would be arrested for the murder of Ruth, her husband Cleveland and his friend, William Avant. Initially, they claimed innocence. Then, Cleveland accused William Avant of shooting at what he believed to be a ghost. On the evening Ruth was killed, Cleveland claimed he and Avant had been sitting on the front porch, enjoying drinks, when they saw a glowing figure walking towards the beach. Cleveland swore they both called out, and when no response came, Avant was convinced they had seen a ghost. He went to get his gun and fired two shots. It was only when they approached the area to see if Avant had taken out whatever it was that they realized William Avant had shot and killed Ruth. When the men stood trial for the death of Ruth Bigham in October 1909, they were convicted of involuntary manslaughter and sentenced to three years in prison. Pending appeal, Cleveland and William were released on bond. When the court upheld the verdict, both men fled. Avant made it to Texas before he was captured and returned to South Carolina to serve his sentence. Cleveland Bingham vanished and was never seen in the community again. Over the next decade, things seemed to spiral even further out of control for the Bighams. They were on the hook for Cleveland Bigham's $1,500 bond when he disappeared. To save their plantation, they signed over a portion of the property to the two Bigham sisters who had not signed Cleveland's bond, Letha and Marjorie. When Letha died of pneumonia in February 1920, the Biggums felt threatened and feared they would lose their land because Letha's husband and their son stood to inherit her portion of the estate. Smiley III and his mother were determined to fight Letha's family for full ownership of the estate, and it appears Smiley went so far as tampering with the deed at the county clerk's office to remove Letha's name. Letha's husband, a county sheriff, made it clear that he was not going to give up his son's inheritance, which set the stage for a family feud of epic proportions that would end with the death of five members of the family. Edmund Bigham returned to Pamplico late in 1920. He had been away since 1909 following the death of Arthur Davis. It's believed Edmund was one of the masked men who dragged the young man from his home and played a role in his murder. Edmund returned to the Bigham estate for two reasons. First, to secure his future inheritance that was at stake. Second, he needed a place to live. He had fallen on hard times and was struggling to provide for his wife and their two young daughters. Edmund was so desperate for money he had tried to pull off an insurance scam when he and his family were living in Georgia. In an attempt to get a $5,000 insurance payout for accidental loss of limb, Edmund Bigham intentionally put his left arm on train tracks and didn't move when a train came rolling down those tracks. He lost his left hand and filed an insurance claim. But a witness testified 
he had done this intentionally, and Edmund was left with no money and no left hand. When Edmund and his family returned to Pamplico, he played the role of savior, saying he was going to help his family fight for the sole ownership of the estate. Edmund moved his wife and daughters into the Bigham home, joining his mother Dora, brother Smiley, and sister Marjorie, along with Marjorie's two adopted sons, John and Leo McCracken. Marjorie was married, but was estranged from her husband, who was living and working in Greenville. Within weeks of Edmund Bigham returning home, five Bigham family members would be murdered. By January of 1921, the Bigham family feud over their father's estate had taken a violent turn. Edmund's sister Marjorie accused him of stealing and tampering with papers related to the estate. Edmund responded to his sister's accusation by whipping her. When their mother defended Marjorie, Edmund threatened her and swore he would kill them for trying to steal from him and cut him out of his inheritance. Smiley Bigham III was attempting to pull the same scam as Edmund, tampering with the deed paperwork to increase his portion of the inheritance. By all accounts, the infighting happening inside the Bigham home was escalating day by day. Neighbors heard yelling and screaming inside the house, and some witnessed family members fighting and overheard Smiley and Edmund threatening each other. Those threats became a reality on January 15th. On that Saturday afternoon, around 3.30, a mail carrier stopped at the home and witnessed the aftermath of what he described as a bloodbath. Behind a well near the home was Dora Bigham's lifeless body. Streams of blood led from the well to the steps of the house. The mail carrier saw Edmund Bigham running towards him. Edmund said he had heard his mother's final words. He had held her as she said, Smiley did it. He's killed us just before she passed away. The mailman noticed Edmund's wife and two daughters on the front porch of the big house. He would later say, all three looked terrified and never said a word. Police were alerted, and when they arrived at the Bigham farm, they found Dora had been shot in the head. Inside the home, they found Marjorie, Edmund's sister, dead, also from a shot to the head. Marjorie's two-year-old son, John, was found dead under a bench on the back porch and six-year-old Leo in the backyard. Both of the boys had been shot in the head. Leo was alive when he was found. He lingered for a few hours, but he was never able to speak, to say who hurt his family. Edmund Bingham told police he had been at a neighbor's house eating lunch with his wife and children and returned home to see his mother out in the yard. When he ran to help her, she said Smiley had shot her, had killed them all. Edmund said just as he was hearing those words, he saw Smiley running into the woods. Authorities searched for Smiley throughout the night. Early the next morning, they found him in the woods with a bullet in his head and Edmund Bigham's 38 caliber pistol in his hand. 
Edmund explained why Smiley would kill the family and take his own life. Edmund claimed Smiley had been unstable with worries over money and his inheritance and had been very blue and angry about it all. But questions lingered over whether Smiley died by suicide because his wallet was missing, leading authorities to wonder if all of this had been a robbery gone horribly wrong. The father of George and Leo McCracken, who was a sheriff's deputy, went to authorities and demanded they investigate further and question Edmund's story. He shared with authorities that Edmund had threatened to kill Marjorie, and an attorney hired by Marjorie and her brother Smiley backed up that claim. The attorney, Philip Aerosmith, signed an affidavit detailing what he witnessed in his office and the papers he had on file, which proved his clients felt threatened by Edmund Bigham. Aerosmith explained that on January 8th, Marjorie had drawn up a new will and made the following statement. I signed three blank deeds in the presence of witnesses and left them with Smiley so that if anything happened to me, my father's estate could be handled as my mother and Smiley desired. All these papers were stolen from Smiley. I found them in Edmund's possession. When I attempted to secure possession of them, Edmund threatened to take my life as well as that of my mother. I gave up all hope of getting the deeds back, and his conduct is such that I'm afraid he will kill me at any moment, and I want you to prepare my will, giving all my property to my brother Smiley and charging him, as I know he will, to take care of my mother and my two adopted boys. Marjorie's statement was witnessed and attached to her will. With this evidence, authorities swore out a warrant for the arrest of Edmund Bingham on January 20th, charging he murdered his mother Dora, brother Smiley III, sister Marjorie, and her children, Leo and George. When police arrested Edmund, they found Smiley's missing wallet in his pocket. Within days of one of the most disturbing crimes in the history of Pamplico, public opinion was split over which brother was behind these murders. A coroner's jury ruled in favor of indicting Edmund Bingham for the murder of his family members following testimony from witnesses who heard Edmund threaten to kill them. The prosecutor chose to move forward with the indictment against Edmund for the murder of his brother, Smiley Bigham III. Edmund Bigham pleaded not guilty and maintained his innocence, claiming Smiley murdered their family and he was paying for their brother's sins. Edmund's trial began in Florence County on March 21, 1921. The trial came down to which theory the jurors believed. Did the defendant, Edmund Bigham, kill five family members in a fit of rage in his attempt to own all of the Bigham estate, or did his brother, Smiley, kill four members of their family in a fit of rage before guilt drove him to take his own life. The prosecution felt they had strong evidence against Edmund. There was the gun used in the crime, which was Edmund's. Smiley's missing wallet found in Edmund's possession days after the murder. 
and witnesses who claim that once Edmund went into the woods to help with the search for his brother Smiley, he led authorities straight to Smiley's body. Witness after witness testified they heard Edmund threaten to kill his sister, his brother, and his mother in the weeks following his return to Pamplico. And the prosecution entered his sister's signed statement as evidence, a statement from days before the murder, noting her fear that Edmund would kill her over their estate dispute. One of the most powerful witnesses the prosecution called to testify against Edmund was a Bigham family servant named Andrew Singletary. He testified on the day of the murders, Edmund was out in the woods after the family had breakfast. Smiley Bigham mentioned he was headed to help his brother cut wood, and their mother, Dora, ordered Andrew to go with Smiley because she was afraid Edmund would kill his brother that day. He had been angry early in the morning, and Dora told Andrew she had an uneasy feeling. Andrew went with Smiley and worked through the morning with a few farmhands. When he and the farmhands headed home, he left Edmund and Smiley Bigham in the woods together. Authorities had witness statements from three people saying they had seen Smiley Bigham later in the day. Edmund Bigham, his wife Mary, and their oldest daughter. No one, apart from the family members who wanted to protect Edmund and feared him, ever saw Smiley Bigham alive past noon. The prosecution's case rested in their belief that Smiley never left the woods that day. He was already dead because Edmund murdered his brother in the woods and went home to finish off his family, ensuring he would have the inheritance he was desperate for. Edmund Bigham chose to take the stand in his defense. He testified on the day police were searching for Smiley, he simply told them to go where the two had been in the woods with their farmhands. He didn't know Smiley would be there, and he never imagined Smiley would be dead. But the jury made it clear they did not believe Edmund. On March 28th, they returned a verdict of guilty. On April 8th, just before Edmund Bigham heard a judge read his sentence, he was asked if he had anything to say. Edmund maintained his innocence and begged the judge to give him time so that, quote, the people who testified here against me may have a chance to come forward and tell the truth and not come too late, like Judas making his offering of the 30 pieces of silver. The judge then sentenced Edmund Bingham to death by electrocution. Edmund was on death row for three years as his attorney filed appeal after appeal. On April 3, 1924, an appeals court granted Bigham a new trial based on arguments that jurors in the original trial had made claims that Edmund was guilty before the trial started. The defense also presented new evidence in the form of letters allegedly written by Smiley Bigham. Letters sent to Edmund which were said to detail how Smiley would kill the family if he didn't get his inheritance. The district attorney argued the letters were obvious forgeries with handwriting that matched Edmund's, but the appeals court viewed the letters as important new evidence and the new trial moved forward. Edmund's attorney asked for and won a change of venue for the second trial, which took place in Conway, South Carolina in September 
1924. Edmund's defense once again relied on his brother Smiley Bigham being the killer. Smiley's alleged confession letters were presented in court as premeditation, despite the prosecutor's objection over claims the letters were forgeries. A brain surgeon testified on behalf of the prosecution, claiming Edmund Bingham's story that his mother Dora had cried out that Smiley had killed them all would have been impossible. Dr. J.D. Smizer had exhumed and examined Dora's body and brought along her skull to display in the courtroom. The jurors were visibly shaken when that skull was brought into the courtroom and the prosecutor held it up to Edmund's face, demanding he confess to slaughtering his mother. Edmund was the only one in the room who didn't have a reaction to that skull or seemed disturbed when he saw it. Dr. Smizer testified that upon examining Dora's body, he found her wounds were consistent with being nearly beheaded. The doctor said her injuries would have made it impossible for her to run much less speak. Dr. Smizer also cast doubt on Smiley's suicide, saying the positioning of the gun in Smiley's hand and the gunpowder on Smiley's temple led him to believe Smiley had been shot and the scene had been staged to appear as though the shot was self-inflicted. Against his attorney's advice, Edmund took the stand in his own defense. But it did not prove helpful. Edmund Bigham was found guilty of murder and once again sentenced to die by electrocution. With the execution date set for October 31st, Edmund's defense team appealed his death sentence. They claimed the death of a key witness who had died of a heart attack during the trial robbed Edmund of a fair trial because his defense team could not cross-examine that witness. And during the trial, the prosecutor had brought up crimes in Georgia, which Edmund had been accused but not convicted of, including a murder. The defense objected to the statements during trial, and their appeal claimed the judge allowing the statements to be entered into record prejudiced the jury against Edmund. The Supreme Court of South Carolina agreed and granted Bigham a new trial in April of 1927. But the third trial would be over within hours of a jury being selected. Once the jury was seated, the state and defense asked to speak to the judge. They announced the state had made a deal that prevented another long trial and ensured Edmund Bingham would not be executed. In exchange for Edmund's guilty plea for the murder of Smiley Bigham, the jury was asked to return a directed verdict of guilty with a recommendation of mercy. Under the agreement, Edmund was spared the electric chair and sentenced to life in prison. Edmund Bigham remained in prison for 39 years. Despite that guilty plea, he maintained his innocence, telling a reporter from the county record that he had suffered, quote, every kind of disgrace, infamy, torture, shame, and remorse that could be heaped upon a human soul. In all of the interviews Edmund gave over the course of his life, he never mentioned the family members who were so gruesomely murdered in January of 1921. Edmund Bigham was released on parole in June 1960. He died of a heart attack in June 
of 1962 at the age of 83. Remember the skull of Dora Bingham that had been exhumed and brought into the courtroom for Edmund's trial in 1921? Well, after the trial, Dora's skull had been placed in a hat box at the county clerk's office and eventually ended up in the home of someone in the Pamplico community, a macabre collector's item from one of South Carolina's most infamous murder trials of the 20th century. When a South Carolina senator heard of what happened to Dora's skull, he got an injunction to reclaim it so Dora's remains could be reunited. In April of 1990, Dora Bigham's skull was laid to rest with the rest of her. Alongside the rest of the Bigham family members in Beulah Baptist Cemetery in Pamplico. A strange end to the tale of the Bigham family whose power and hunger for control led to their own destruction. Southern Mysteries is hosted and produced by me, Shannon Ballard. You can view photos and sources for this episode at southernmysteries.com. If you like Southern Mysteries and want to hear more, you can support the show. Members hear bonus content, Southern Mystery Shorts, each month. You can visit patreon.com slash southernmysteries to join today. Special thanks to our newest patrons, Amber from Chicago, Rebecca in Ball Ground, Georgia, Chris in Crawfordville, Florida, Jennifer from Northport, Alabama, Janelle from Hot Springs Village, Arkansas, Lori and Christina from Marietta, Georgia. Thanks to all of you. It's such a gift to have you as members of Southern Mysteries. Well, keep in mind, if you're looking for other ways to support the show, you can encourage others to listen to Southern Mysteries by rating and reviewing the show where you're listening now and sharing the episode on your socials so friends know to try it out. And make sure you subscribe so you never miss a new episode. Thanks for listening. 